Abba Yahweh, the blessing and sharing of your truth, your word, your knowledge, and your wisdom to my brothers and my sisters. Father, from your word, for their exhortation, admonishment if need be, but not in judgment from me, Father. This is your word, your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. To bless them, brothers and sisters, that they would have your knowledge and your wisdom and your truth, Father, from your word. Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Parakletos, Aman. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to share something here I've shared with you before. And um, this is a, another confirmation that I got and I've shared with you before that I love confirmations when I do studies or I get up, I have something that I've been dealing with, the Holy Spirit guides. And then I get a confirmation from my teachers, those that I listen to in the Word. And I'm going to share with you this as the reckoning of our King. Reckoning. What is reckoning? Reckoning is a count, computation, calculation, the settlement of accounts, a statement of an amount due, an accounting of things done or due, an appraisal or judgment. It's also used as in navigation and also as in a day of reckoning. The coming of Jesus Christ as its promise in the word of God is a reckoning of our King, Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, our sovereign God, creator of all things. And I've shared with you before, brothers and sisters, that there are those that they prefer not to, uh, not to talk about it or they don't want to study it because um, the book of the prophets, to them, it's doom and gloom. And uh, this is like when people, and, and here's the thing too, the Bible's not some novel that you go into a bookstore and there are those, I've been acquainted with those, that take a novel and they read it part and parcel. They don't read the book from cover to cover and then make a decision. They only read through it. They read a chapter here, a chapter there, and they go through a chapter at a time. They don't read the whole book. And then they make a decision about the book, or I've also known those that just read a... Um, they read the uh, back cover, the summary. They don't even bother reading the book. Oh, I'm not going to like that. Um, this is partly how the old saying comes, you never judge a book by its cover. Well, that's because on the d dust cover on many books that you buy, there's a little paragraph that describes what the book is about. Have you noticed any Bible store or bookstore that you pick up a Bible, there's not a dust cover on the Bible and tells you that, and it summarizes the Bible, so then you make a decision on it. This is an instruction manual for our life. It is the word of God. You cannot take it and read part and parcel and then decide, okay? 
You cannot take and dissect the book of the Bible and decide that it's only going to read this narrative here because it talks about the happiness and it talks about the roses and the pretty stuff and that I'm going to just read that part or you want to read, uh, you know, some of the adventurous stuff and then you decide you don't want to read about the prophecies of Jesus Christ's second coming as he promised because to many that's doom and gloom. And I've shared with you before, brothers and sisters, what's doom and gloom about the promising return of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our King, as it's promised in the word of God? What is doom and gloom about that? That's because too many people have decided that they're they're too wrapped up in this temporal plane of existence that we're in now. They're wrapped up in what is here and not as what's coming. And they don't want to see that go away. They like and they're comfortable. And I've shared with you before, brothers and sisters, this is the infiltration of the enemy. The enemy gets in and people are saying, oh, well, that's not true. I don't have, no, no. Well, see, that's the thing that the devil does. It gets in a mindset and people become complacent with how their life is going, that's just the way it is, or they become uh, inactive, they become very comfortable in their existence, they don't want to have to get out and do anything, they don't want to serve their purpose, they just decide that they're going to coast along. And they look at things like, well, we're promised victory anyway, so why should we bother doing anything? Brothers and sisters, you have to understand, there is a day of reckoning that is coming. And we have a purpose that God has called us for. And that purpose is to share the word of God and to do whatever we can to get that word out so that others have the opportunity to be saved, to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, to have faith in God and believe that he is sovereign over all things. And it is something that we're called to do. So how can a reasonable, responsible person that claims to be a Christian sit back on their laurels in their comfort zone and stay there and pull back from everything that the Bible tells us that we're supposed to do. That, brothers and sisters, is contrary to scriptural teaching. This book, this Bible, the Word of God, the truth is our instruction manual for life. And all through this Bible, this book, this word of God that was breathed into the men and women that wrote these gospels, not just the gospel of Jesus Christ as is in the New Testament, but the gospel of God himself as through the books of the Old Testament And Jesus Christ tried to teach that gospel and share that gospel, the truth. And as he did so, there were those that came with the negativity and all through the New Testament from the time they planned to find some way to destroy Jesus Christ. 
to kill him, to take him, to seize him and put themselves out of the misery that they have because the truth was revealed and they didn't like what they were seeing or hearing in themselves. They refused to hear the truth. Brothers and sisters, there are many today that choose lies over truth. And that in itself is very sad. I look around me as I go through my course of the day and I see people that are believing the lies over the truth. Now, in the Bible, there are theologians that have counted and documented this. In the, through the Old Testament, there's over 300 prophecies of the coming of Jesus Christ, his birth, his life, the testimony, there's over 300 of those. But they've also counted that there's more than double that through the New Testament that talks about the second coming of Jesus Christ, of his coming again and promising his coming again. And brothers and sisters, this is kind of a, you know, we go back and we, we see that there's museums that we can go to and we visit the museums and we can see of things that happened. We can look back and see that they took place. This book, this Bible, that talks about the coming of Jesus Christ, and then we can look back and there are actually scientists, archeologists, not just theologians, but there are those that are going back and they're finding proof through history, archaeological digs, and testimony to the fact that Jesus Christ did come, existed, lived, and the things that they're finding are proving the prophecies that he came, existed, and did these things. They're finding proof of this and proving it with science, the things that we tend to put more credence and, and belief in than we do in the faith of God, our Father and Sovereign, who told us these things anyway. But we do have a museum of sorts, and many people decide that they don't want to go through the exhibits, and they pick which ones they want to go see. This is the Bible the Bible is, uh, for lack of a, a way to describe it a different way, it is a museum of those things that are to come. Over double the prophecies of Jesus' coming and birth. Double that number of his second coming, that he will come again, and that day of reckoning that will take place because it is coming. The Bible is the truth of his word. And it's a map of God's plan for our future and our eternity. And I choose to follow whatever detour might take place through life as his road and his way in my faith that that's my road and the path that I need to be on. The book of Daniel set the tone of future events. And then there's the book of Revelation, talking about the apocalypse. 
And again, Apocalypse not being as we see that Hollywood portrays it, you know, with the Terminator and the end of the world and everything is blowing up and the machines come and take over everything and, you know, Hollywood dresses it up. Apocalypse is taken from a Greek word that means simply the unveiling, the unveiling of the coming of Jesus Christ as promised the second time. The unveiling, the revelation of Jesus Christ, his return to us as promised. And in the book of Revelations, two times it tells us that those that read this book will be blessed. Blessed, brothers and sisters. It's not about doom and gloom. You can't dissect the Bible and take it part and parcel. You have to read the book in its entirety. Contextual reading from this, the truth, the word of God is what we have to do. The prophecies are guaranteeing the integrity of the sovereignty of our Lord God. And it's telling us these things that are coming on. And it's giving us an opportunity to be able to share that. And it saddens me that there are those, and I've encountered those, that decide to slice and cut up the word of God and not read the book in its entirety. And we cannot treat the word of God, our sovereign God, the creator of all things, we can't treat his word that way. We can't just decide what we're going to read and not read. That's putting more credence in self than it is in God and faith in God. We cannot do that, brothers and sisters. We are not to do that thing. And as I shared on the outset, there is a day of reckoning coming. There is a day that comes and those that come before the Lord and try to explain away why they didn't believe the word, why they didn't study the word, why they weren't watchful. The parable that Jesus gives about the watchman and the man who had the vineyard, that parable is about us, brothers and sisters, that we have to be watchful. And part of being watchful is staying in the word of God, looking through the word of God, studying the word of God and looking for his face through the word. Seek his face and seek those things of heaven that he promises, brothers and sisters. It's all in his word. Remember too, brothers and sisters, that the enemy is the great accuser, the condemner. And he wants us to self-doubt. He wants us to second guess. He wants us to be weak. He wants us to be discouraged. He wants us to be dismayed. And he wants us to put these things behind and say, well, I'm not going to study that part. That's his desire. The enemy puts these thoughts, and he is able to do that, brothers and sisters. The Bible also tells us that that is true. It is in the scripture that he can infiltrate the mindset. This is why we must have the helmet of salvation, because that 
is the promise of God and the salvation that Jesus Christ came for us. It is our protection. The armor of God was made by God. And it tells us in the Bible to put on the full armor of God. He made it for us. All we have to do is put it on. And if you refuse to put it on, then you're just playing into the enemy's hands. And he will infiltrate. And he will accuse. And he will condemn. And not studying the word of God in its entirety and out of context is exactly what he wants. It's a diversion from Satan. He wants us to divert away from that. He wants us to be away from that. And I have put this in and and I've had another teacher confirm this thought process in there. And I love this. It's our letter of adoption, which is in Romans 8. And brothers and sisters, this is so, it's so awesome. I, I love this. I'm going to flip over here. I'm going to share that with you. But it's the rest in that chapter. And the beginning of our adoption letter, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You see, brothers and sisters, the accuser wants us to be outside of that. And he wants us to believe his condemnation. He wants us to believe his accusations. And he wants us to believe the lies. Remember, false evidence appearing real. It causes us to be fearful. God does not mind that we are afraid at times. Because in that we seek his face and we go to him. That is what he desires for us, to come to him. If we're afraid, we come and say, Father, I'm afraid of this. I'm not sure what to do. Guide me. Hold me with your strong, righteous right hand. Holy Spirit, come and guide me through this. And he will. That's the whole idea, brothers and sisters, that when we are weak, that we come to him. And in Romans 8, 24, and I apologize, you might hear some of the 4th of July in the background going off. We have folks in the neighborhood popping off those things but faith evidence in Romans 8:24 for we are saved by hope but hope that is seen is not hope for what a man seeth why doth he yet hope so many people see things that are going on and then they they sit and wonder and ponder but in verse 25 but if we hope for that which we see not then do we with patience wait for it. You can't see faith. Faith is not something that you see with your physical eye. Remember, brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ talked about they that have ears, let them hear, and eyes, let them see. Not talking about the physical. He's talking about the spiritual. If you have spiritual ears, you hear the truth. You hear God through the words. You hear God through the reading of the Bible and you see what God's intent is through his word. That's what Jesus Christ is talking about, brothers and sisters, talking about the spiritual. 
What are you putting your faith and your hope in those things that you see that are temporal, that you see that are tangible and you touch? Where's the faith in that? And I've shared this before. We have faith in mechanics. We have faith in pilots. We have faith in those people that put the... uh, put the planes together and that they tighten the night nuts and bolts on that thing so that it gets up in the air and it flies. We have faith in them. We get on that plane with a ticket. And if you've got your little governmental vaccine card that says that you can do that now, this is a controlling element that I, brothers and sisters, for me, I perceive as part of that prophecy that is in the Bible. They want to limit and control movement and things that are going on, that's okay. I'm not going to be fearful of it. I'm not going to rest on that. But we put our faith in those things that are going on so that you can get on that airplane or the train or you get in the automobile that this mechanic that you didn't see do the work and that you didn't stand over his shoulder while he was in the garage working on the car or she, female mechanics these days, some pretty good ones. But you have faith in them You even have faith in the fact that your automobile was put together properly and you get in it and you drive down the road and it doesn't rattle and just completely fall apart and leave you sitting on a seat in the middle of the road. You have faith in those things that you can see and touch and those things that you don't see by those that are in this world, but you have problem putting faith in God, the creator of all things that put that intellect and that knowledge together in people so that they will have the wisdom on how to apply. He does that with doctors. Brothers and sisters, all things come from God anyway. The things that I share, I share because I ask God to bless me with knowledge and wisdom and not to be, I don't need to be wealthy. It would be nice. I mean, I'm not going to shake a stick at that. And But Brothers and sisters, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And the things that he allows me to do, he has blessed me so greatly with these things. And he talks to me through my day. And he guides me through my day. Um, This relatively young man, he's the same age as my youngest son, actually. Looks much older, but he's actually my son's age and... He was kind of lost and forlorn, so I was able to help him out a little bit. And I told him to stay in a place because I was going to, I asked him if he was hungry. But I heard the voice of the Spirit kept talking to me and speaking to me. I was just going to do my job and just take it and let it go. But the voice of the Spirit kept telling me, this man is hungry. Reach out to him. Ask him. Ask him. Ask him if he's hungry. And this thought kept going over and over and over. This is how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Okay, brothers and sisters, that's how it happens. So I did. I asked him, I said, are you hungry? And he just smiled and he said, yes, yes, I am. And I I was actually watching him and he had been in a place and had come on and had a whole bunch of little packages of, uh, you know, the crackers and things. You know, so... When I finished, I told him, I said, look, I have to go do, take care of some business. It's important for my job, but I'm going to get you food. You wait here, and I'm going to bring you food and something to drink. And I did so, and I brought that back. And then the door was open. We started talking about the Word. We started talking about God. 
and he started confessing that he hadn't been in church in a while and he confessed that that he was also a gay man. And I told him, I said, let me tell you this. I said, I'm not judging you at all. And his name is David. We introduced ourselves. And, and uh, I said, that's not my judgment, David. I said, I am concerned with your well-being because you said you were hungry. And we started talking about the Bible. And we started talking about getting him to go back to church, but he didn't know how to go. And I shared with him that there was a chapel in the area that comes open and they bring a a trail and they open up the side. It's beautiful. It becomes a stage. They hook up a PA system and they they have worship service. It comes down to worship to the homeless folks that are just, the numbers are just, it's just insanity. These people that are living out there and they have pretty much no place to go. Shelters are absolutely chock full. And I told him about it. I shared that with him. And I said, you know, David, the the word is available for you. You need to get back there. And he goes, yeah, but, you know, I'm gay. And I said, that doesn't make any difference, David. I said, that is something between you and God. That's not for me to judge. And I'm not judging you for that. That's not what I am about. That's not my position. My position is to share with you to take care of you in a time of need because the Holy Spirit told me that you were hungry and I needed to help you. And that's what I'm doing. And he just smiled and he was so thankful for it. Brothers and sisters, this is what the Holy Spirit does. It provides us an opportunity. This is why we need to stay in the word. We need to be into this thing. We need to not be an accuser. This is what the enemy loves. He's an accuser. He's a condemner. And that's what he does. And that's what he wants us to do. When we get into a position of judging and pointing our fingers, and it may be in any way, shape, or form, and sometimes you may not think it is that way. But if you sit in a church pew and you become distracted and you start looking around and you're thinking, or you even share it. I've even heard this out loud before where there are, oh, can you believe how they dress their children, how they allow their children this and that? And they become, start judging people around them. They're distracted from the word of God. They're not paying attention to what's being taught. They're worried about what people look like and what they allow their children to do or not do. And then they start becoming condemning They start accusing. This is the enemy at work. The enemy infiltrates that way. He does when he gets that. This is why we have to have the right mindset. And Paul talks about the mindset, that we have to be in the right mindset. And we also have to remember too, brothers and sisters, Romans chapter 13, 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher power powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. God is sovereign, brothers and sisters. The word tells us that he is sovereign over all things. We must see that. And that time that's coming that talks about the reckoning of our king the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we must be mindful of these things. We must be watchful. And we must be aware that Antichrist is coming, but it's just not meaning that he stands against Christ or stands against that. It's also that he's instead of. 
He's a counterfeit for everything that Jesus Christ puts out for us for the good he puts out against and to deceive and tempt away from the walk that Jesus Christ and God intends for us to have, brothers and sisters, that even the very elect may be tempted and deceived. The elect, those are those people that have put their original trust in God and faith in God and saying, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Lord and Savior and only begotten Son of God and that he came for us. But then the deceiver comes and gets the mindset. They're tempted to look away because why? They're sitting there looking at their watch and they're tapping their foot and they're, you know, well, when is Jesus coming? He said this and he said that and it's just not happening. And look, this this person is able to do these miraculous, beautiful, wonderful things. Oh my gosh, look at here. Yeah, until that steel trap shuts closed. And then you see that the deceiver and the accuser, the condemner, is revealed for what he truly is. And that is all those things to draw into darkness. And the greatest triumph that he can have is to draw away. And that is what he chooses to do. He does not want us to be in heaven. You have to remember that Satan was there. Lucifer was an archangel. He knows what's there and what God is giving to us freely, has offered freely. All we have to do is choose, brothers and sisters. And that choice is lined out, and the Bible talks to us about that. And we have to just remember that we cannot be judgmental of anyone around us. We have to be just in the word. Seek the word. And that is the truth. That is his word and the guidance for us. And Jesus responded in John 8 when the Pharisees tried to set him up and they tried to uh, get, uh, they constantly tried to trap Jesus Christ. And when the Pharisees always tried to trap him into things and the Pharisees in uh, verse 13, and actually this is after um, that Jesus was with that woman and, and he told her to go and sin no more and they got all upset about that. Well, in verse 13, the Pharisees therefore said unto him, thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. And Jesus answered and said unto them, though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I came and whither I go. But ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh. I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone by I and the Father that sent me. That, brothers and sisters, is truth. That, brothers and sisters, is something that they failed to understand. They couldn't comprehend any of that. And he spoke truth to them, and it made them so angry and so upset that they chose to condemn him and crucify him. Yet, when they took him before Pilate, Pilate, 
the governor, the Roman governor that came, and they brought him before Pilate, and Pilate found him innocent. He said, I find no fault in this man. Why do you bring him here for condemnation and crucifixion? I can't do that. Said, I'll beat him up. I'll whip him good. But I find no reason for crucifixion. And then, of course, the Pharisees roused the people and got them all agitated, and they were crying out for his crucifixion. And they got all upset. So he gave them a choice, and they, uh, they wanted Barabbas to be released and take Jesus Christ crucified. So Pilate's Romans beat him up real good and then released him to the Sanhedrin, and they were the ones who got him to go to Golgotha and be crucified. They led him away to the crucifixion, thinking that they were in control, but not in control. Because the word of God reminds us, brothers and sisters, that God is in control. And keep in mind, brothers and sisters, this is a truth. There is a day of reckoning. The day of reckoning is the return of our king. Stay in his word. Stay mindful and watchful to the return of our king. Stay in the word. Don't dissect and pull the Bible apart and be a con- an out-of-context studier of the word of God. The word must be taken in its entirety, in its whole. And that means to read through the books of the prophets, study the prophecies, I've shared the numbers already. There's theologians that have gone through this word and they have counted in the Old Testament over 300 different times that the birth of Christ and the coming of Jesus Christ was prophesied through the Old Testament and that there is double that talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, it's all in the book. It's all in the word of God. Brothers and sisters, we can't take this book apart and dissect it and not study it in its entirety. We cannot do a part and parcel study of the word of God. We have to be mindful that it is his word. It is the truth. And he desires that we keep in that. Seek his face in all things, brothers and sisters. Be encouraged. Do not be fearful. When you become fearful, you allow that enemy to drive your reactions, to drive your force of judgment, and to drive those things that are going on around in this temporal plane of existence. He draws you down here. But seek that higher plane. Look through the eyes of our Lord. Be in the perspective. Because when the Lord looks out, he sees a very flat, plane from that higher elevation. Everything looks flat. But brothers and sisters, when we're down on the level that the devil wants us to be in, we see the high mountains and the deep valleys, and it's very dark. But remember this, brothers and sisters, on the top of that mountain, the Lord helped us gain that height and that altitude. And when we go down into that valley, he still sees us there. He is with us whithersoever we go. That is promised in his word. God tells us that he will not leave nor forsake us. God just doesn't walk away when we see or feel or believe that God is not with us. 
He's still there. That's our perspective. And the enemy getting into the mindset to believe that he's not there. God is always there. And remember the footprints in the sand, that lithograph that was printed out a long time ago. It's beautiful. I love it. And when the little, the Christian is there and there were two sets and he said, but God, I I looked back and there was only one set of footprints. Why did you leave me? And God responds, I didn't leave you. When you saw only one set of footprints, that's when I was carrying you. Brothers and sisters, that is our Father God, Abba Yahweh, our good, good Father. He carries us when we need. Brothers and sisters, I love you. The fireworks are starting to get louder around. So I'm going to say good night. You have a blessed day, this Independence Day, but don't be so totally independent that you think that you don't need God because we need God in all things. You have a blessed day, blessed night. And I love you. And as I've shared with you before, I pray on my going out and my coming in. Be blessed.